wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Thank you, Robin Ryder, for reading the scripture this morning. Thank you, Kara, for sharing as well. Great project, and uh, TCC would love to be involved there. Well, good morning, and uh, always, always good to uh, be together. I always feel so honored to, uh, and humbled to connect with you on, on a Sunday morning, so uh, it's, it's always so good to be together. We're continuing on. Uh, last message in a series of messages called Unstuck. Uh, next week we launch a new series, a uh, summer series called Courageous Faith. I'm so looking forward to that. We're, we're going to talk about some of the Old Testament uh, biblical characters, Abraham and Noah and, uh, and Joshua and Caleb and uh, David and Elijah throughout the summer and just kind of get a picture of, of how they encountered life and the vision that they had for their lives and for, for the kingdom. Uh, but this morning we're, uh, we're at a humbling passage of scripture that uh, was just read for us, James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. And if you were here last week, we, you know that uh, we were just starting to cultivate this passage a little bit around the uh, edges, uh, but this morning uh, we want to plow right into the middle of the field. Uh, the verses in James, uh, these verses are about wisdom, uh, but ultimately they are about relationships. Uh, how does wisdom play itself out in this world? And, and the answer to that is basically wisdom is almost always played out in the arena of relationships. Wisdom is a way of relating. Uh, we relate to one another effectively when we're wise with one another. So wisdom is more connected to what you do than what you think. It's more connected to what you do than what you think. Sometimes we think wisdom is related to intelligence, but that's not necessarily true. You can have all kinds of knowledge and yet not be wise. Wisdom is not about having a bachelor's degree or two master's degrees and a PhD and maybe some postdoctoral work. It's not about that. And what I'm saying is by no means to imply the negativity on education. Of course not. But it's not about your diploma. It is, it's about your disposition. 
It's not about your lips. It's about your life. It's not about what you say. It's about what you do. That's practical wisdom. Uh, Sometimes we think that wisdom just appears out of nowhere. But wisdom is a process. You gain wisdom through the years, if you're willing to take it in. If you just keep reading the scripture, for example, if you were faithful to read it day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year, if you were just faithful to take a few gems in every day, you would get wiser through that period of time. If you just keep dialoguing and praying and, and experiencing community with people and you honestly opened your heart to God and to one another through the months and through the years, you just get wiser. Rub shoulders with the wise and you'll get wiser. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Godly wisdom reveals itself wherever your feet hit the ground. It's the skill of living in a wholesome way as you journey along. It's applying God's truth to everyday circumstances. So it's taking the data that's in your head and somehow getting it down to your feet. And that's wisdom. So James launches his teaching about wisdom in the context of relationships and he reminds us that there are two kinds of wisdom. One is a wisdom from below or or from this earth and one is a wisdom from above. And they are remarkably different. We'll spend most of our time this morning looking at the wisdom from above uh, because the, the wisdom from God, that's the kind of wisdom that we're looking for every day. That's the kind of wisdom that, that keeps us strong and, and ineffective in this world. But could we just do a quick gander? Now there's an old farm word. Could we just do a quick look at the wisdom that gets us stuck? The stuck wisdom? Uh, the, the wisdom that is generated from this planet typically gets us stuck in our relationships. Listen to these observations from James. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure James was writing to a very specific context when he writes these words. But without knowing that context, it really fits for all of us in our personal lives, in our homes, in our workplace. I had to smile at the little story of a guy who was marooned on an island for five years. Imagine being on an island alone for five years. And he, was, he, was, uh, he kept himself busy by building some nice huts, probably bigger than those huts. But uh, finally a ship came to his rescue and the captain learned that the man had been on the island for five years. 
And he noticed that he had built three huts. And so the captain was very interested in knowing why he had built these three huts. Well, the man pointed to the one and said that that's where he lived. That's, where his, that's his home. And he pointed to the second one and he said that that's where he went to church. Well, the captain said, well, what about the third hut? Well, he said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> but I guess he got kind of tired of going there and he started to go to this new church. But just one person in the congregation didn't, yet he had to move. And maybe the enemy we fight is more on the inside than on the outside. And really, James is accentuating two heart-level characteristics common to all of us. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. What is jealousy? Jealousy is when you feel threatened by another's success. You feel that your own belongings or accomplishments are somehow overshadowed by the prominence or the success of somebody else. And instead of saying, wow, good, isn't that wonderful? Bless them. They're growing, they're developing, they're excelling. Instead of that, it leaves us threatened. What will happen to me? And it threatens us, and it intimidates us, and it makes us respond negatively. And actually, it leads to the second unwise response, selfish ambition. And selfish ambition is pushing ourselves forward so we get in the limelight and we're recognized. Selfish ambition. I want to be in first spot. And actually, don't think for a second that uh, Christian circles are free from jealousy and selfish ambition. I mean, if you attend enough Bible conferences or visit enough churches or hang around long enough in Christian academia, you'll find a lot of jealousy and unbridled ambition. You'll see it among singers and preachers and missionaries and educators. People jockeying for higher positions and jostling to stay on top. And James wants to tell us that's not the wisdom of God. That's the wisdom that comes from the planet. That's the wisdom that says it's all about me. I thought Charles Swindoll gave a very revealing response when he wrote in his commentary about this passage. And then he diverted for just a moment to tell a personal story. And I'll just abbreviate it for us. He said in college, he worked in a machine shop. And he was a very zealous witness for Christ. And he said he was hard on the heels of one of his co-workers to bring them to Christ. He was on a mission. And he, he kind of worked at it day after day and shift after shift. And finally, he exasperated the guy that he was trying to share Christ with. And, and the guy grabbed him by the arm and he, he said, he looked me in the eye and he said, listen to me. You've convinced me of the facts that I'm wrong, but I will never change. And Swindoll says, just as I was rushing to come up with a good response to such a stupid, foolish statement, he, he added, because I can't stand you. And he writes, these words still sting as I think about how foolish, how unwise 
I had been. It was like someone threw a rock through the window of my soul. I would never forget that experience, that you can have all the facts on your side, but if you don't have the wisdom to know how to share those facts without assaulting a person, you're better to be quiet. He said, I, I know, I was worse than annoying. I was downright obnoxious. And what a lesson. It brings us back to the old saying that they won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, inspired by the devil. For wherever there is jealousy or selfish ambition, there will be what? Disorder and every other kind of evil. What caught me in verse 16 is the result of human, earthly, unspiritual kind of wisdom. The result is what? Confusion. Disorder. Sometimes, you know, relationships just don't seem to get fixed. And in fact, they get worse because the element of wisdom from above is missing. It's about me. It's about my needs. It's about jealousy or ambition or arrogance or pride. And as a result, it keeps the situation from being healed. It prevents the relationships issues from getting settled. And you see these long feuds that never seem to leave the organization or never seem to leave the church or never seem to leave the ministry that never seem to get resolved because at the root of it there is wisdom that is very unspiritual, very earthly. And James is even blunt enough to say demonic. I mean, it doesn't mean that the world wisdom comes straight from demonic beings, though I suppose in some cases it might be so. But typically the emphasis is, is on wisdom that reflects a philosophy so contrary to God's truth that Satan himself could come along and endorse it. Say, I agree with that. I'm, I'm for that. But it results in disorder. It results in confusion. And maybe our flags just need to go up at that point. Because when we see confusion around us, when we see chaos in relationships, when we see disorder, this is not God's unfolding. This is very human, unspiritual, earthly wisdom. And it is bringing disorder. It's bringing disorder, and it's not getting fixed. So the first section is earthly wisdom gets us stuck. Secondly, unstuck wisdom. This is the better part. You know, you might think that wisdom is kind of hard to get at, isn't it? It's kind of nebulous. What is it really? Is it like nailing jelly to the wall? It really isn't. In these next few verses, James provides for us the most comprehensive and helpful definition of wisdom found, I think, anywhere in the world. Never get a better one. 
It's the wisdom that gets us unstuck. It's the wisdom that is very definable. It is godly wisdom. It is wisdom from above. So if you want to be wise, just take these six or eight characteristics, however you want to count them, and just ask the Lord this morning to build them into your life. And if you already have them in your life, then you're wise. You've got it. You're wise. Let's see how we're doing. Let's see if we have accumulated some wisdom. We'll just kind of check it off. The wisdom from above, first of all, is pure. But the wisdom, James writes, but the wisdom from above is, actually, I need to get this word, first of all, pure. The word first means more than merely first on a list. It actually here indicates first in order of importance. First order of business is the heart with dealing with relationships. What's my heart like? Is it pure? Are my motives pure? The word pure means uncorrupted, pure, clean, untainted. Perhaps the word most frequently used is the word integrity. Wisdom doesn't start in the head, it starts in the heart. All relationships are built on trust. We have to keep checking our hearts because the Bible says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked who really knows how bad it is. Jeremiah 17.9 Dr. John Stott's uh, last piece of advice to his assistant before he died in, back in 2011 was simply these few words, do the hard thing, do the hard thing. Stott believed that choosing the easy trail, the road most taken, and the path of least resistance can only end in mediocrity, even if it comes with some praise. So he said to his assistant, do the hard thing. The average person makes about 70 decisions a day. Think about that for your life. About 70 decisions every day. That's 25,500 decisions a year. Over 70 years, that's about 1.8 million decisions that you'll make. The 20th century philosopher Albert Campus said, Life is a sum of all your choices. Life is a sum of all your choices. So you put all those 1.8 million choices together, and that's who you are. Life is a sum of all your choices. But imagine making all those choices from a heart of integrity. What a wise man or woman you would be. The wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. Secondly, the wisdom from above is peace-loving. Peace-loving. Instead of this sense of competition and jealousy and selfish ambition, there's a presence of peace and well-being. There's a presence of God. So the wisdom from above is peace-loving. I know it's so easy to retaliate. 
somebody ticks you off, it's so easy to retaliate, to be argumentative, to be quick-tempered. And we live in a very volatile world. You just never know who you're around that's going to just lose it one day. It's like, wow. And I mean, it couldn't have been more clear this week in the loss of Constable Daniel Whittle's life. We feel <clears throat> so sad, so grieved for Claire and her two boys. They live in the town not far away. They attend our local school over here. But wow, am I impressed with this community. You must have been impressed too this morning as you drove in. To see all those ribbons, to see the quick response of the community, to care, to respond, gestures of caring. And by the way, if anybody wants to make a donation uh, for Claire and her family, by all means do so. We'd be most happy to move the funds forward from here. But if, you, if your heart's touched and you want to write a check and you want it to go towards the, the family, we'd be happy to do that. But your heart is saddened that a man, a, a shooter, the shooter's heart, could be so poisoned that he would take another person's life, that he would take an innocent life, somebody he didn't know. In his own heart and mind, the shooter had been radicalized by the enemy. Yeah, he'd been radicalized by the enemy. And his mind and heart somehow got twisted along the journey. I mean, it's, your heart goes out there as well. Because he lost all wisdom. He lost a heart that was pure and peace-loving. And it continues around the world. Young men and women leaving from our country to go over to, to fight a war that makes no sense at all. To give your life for a cause that makes no sense at all. And it says something, we've lost our purpose. We have a cry for God, but we don't know how to fill the emptiness. And ranting and raving is way out of balance today. You know, it happens in, in our community. It happens in our families. It happens in relationships at work. And the reaction is overboard. And people love to mix it up. I, don't, you, I expect read the, some of the blogs and you read CTV News and the blogs and the commentary or CBC. And, and, and it blows your mind how extreme we can be or just how rude or condescending and you realize some people are looking for just a good old fight. And when you see that, it's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is not in those comments. Because the Bible says that wisdom is peace-loving. That's wisdom. It's peace-loving. The Bible says that. It means, for example, not trying to stir things up and touch all the hot buttons. I mean, if you've lived with somebody for a long time, you know the hot buttons. You press those buttons and you have a little war on your hands. It's not wisdom to push the buttons. Proverbs 23 says, any fool can start an argument. <laughs> the wise thing is to stay out of them and not even to be baited by the internet. Oh, let me just straighten these guys out. Here, take this, and you crank out a comment that puts somebody else down. Does the situation get cleaned up? No. It just heats it up another notch. 
We press the wrong buttons when we say to our family member, why can't you be like so-and-so? Boy, does that hurt. I mean, that comment will stay with you for the rest of your life. Oh, you're just like your mother. Oh, you're just like your dad. Hear the tone? You're just like. Never compare your wife, your husband, your kids, your house, your job, or anything else because everybody and everything is unique. The wisdom from above is peace-loving. Sometimes the peace is disturbed in our lives when we contradict others. Have you ever watched a spouse correct every detail of a story while the other spouse is telling the story? You've never heard that. It's kind of frustrating, isn't it? If you're telling the story and you're getting corrected, it makes you not want to tell the story. It just shuts you down. William James, the famous psychologist, said, Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. And it's true, isn't it? So what if the details weren't exactly as you remember them? So what? There's some stuff you need to overlook and not try to make it the center of attention. Just say, I mean, who cares if it was four cars or five cars? What does it matter? So first of all, wisdom is pure. Second, it is peace-loving. And thirdly, it's gentle at all times. The specific meaning of the word gentle in verse 17 means moderate, yielding. It describes a person who uh, surrenders his right for a higher ideal. It's so different that the person says, uh, you infringed on my right, I'm going to take you to court. I'm calling the radio station. We're going to get this thing public. And you know what James says? He, he, he uses that little word, all. Wisdom is gentle at all times. And why did he have to use that word, all? There's no wiggle room there at all. All the time. All the time. Always gentle. When people are rude to me, I don't get to be rude back. No, that's wisdom. Doesn't mean you get run over and trampled to the ground. It just means I conduct myself differently than my attacker. Doesn't mean I can't defend myself, but I'll be gentle and moderate and yielding and see a bigger picture. Not winning a battle in order to lose the war. I'm not allowed to call you names. Not if I'm wise. I'm not allowed to be rude. Not if I want to be wise. We're not allowed to get even because that puts us on the same level as our attacker. And words are the typical battleground. And wisdom is not paying as much attention to the words as the emotions. Maybe to get behind the words is a major challenge for us all. What's the emotion all about? Why, why are they feeling that deep emotion? That's what wise people do. Sometimes if you can speak right to the emotion, it's incredibly amazing how much progress can be made. That's so hard to do, but so true. Unkind people are those who need your kindness the most, and it's the hardest to give to the unkind person. They need massive 
doses of kindness. They are screaming, I'm in pain. People who are in pain are often unkind and rude. Hurt people hurt people. And it's astounding how your words can change the situation. Words of wisdom, words of gentleness, changes the tone and makes the conversation productive. Proverbs 15, 4, kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. Then fourthly, wisdom is willing to yield to others. Now some translate this as reasonable. Wisdom is reasonable. It means easily persuaded, but don't get the wrong idea. It doesn't mean a pushover. It doesn't mean someone who puts aside, but it means someone who puts aside stubbornness and readily yields to the truth. And when the Spirit of God captures our hearts and does his deep work within us, he softens us. Have you noticed that? You might have been dug in deeply on an issue, and then the Spirit of God touches your heart, begins to minister to your life, and, and you change. Somebody else couldn't change you, but the Spirit of God changes you. And you say, ah, oh, I better look at my life. Am I just being defensive here? Am I just being stubborn here? You remember the story of Abraham? He was so flexible with his nephew, uh, Lot. Remember the story? They, they, they had run out of pasture land. There was too much, too many cattle. And Abraham said, we've got to make a decision here. And if you go to the right, uh, I'll go to the left. And if, and if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Let's, let's make a decision here. We need more pasture land. And he was flexible. One of the ways that people know you are wise is that you're willing to listen to them. Can people you disagree with reason with you? I mean, sometimes it's hard to hear the opinions of others. Have you ever discovered that? Do you want to put yourself out there? Do you want to ask for feedback? You might not like what you hear. Like the new pastor who said to his uh, church first Sunday that he was there preaching, he said, uh, I really want to hear your honest opinions afterwards, your suggestions. So after the message was over, he was talking to one of the men, and, and he said, okay, now just tell me your honest suggestions. Guy said, honestly, pastor, you want to hear it? Yeah. That sermon stunk. Pastor, uh, trying not to be defensive, he said, okay, okay, okay. What stunk about it? He, I really want to hear it. Well, the man said there were three things that stunk about it. First, uh, you read it. Second, uh, you read it poorly. And thirdly, it wasn't worth reading. <laughs> kind of gulped and got himself together. The next guy that came by, the pastor tried to encourage him. He, he saw that he'd kind of been jolted. He said, don't worry about old Jim. He just repeats what everybody else says. So don't worry about that at all. So it's a challenge to be wise as you listen and you try to yield. But a wise person can learn from anybody. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. 
So listen to one another. Sometimes your friend will drive you crazy. But listen. And sometimes they're going to have a good suggestion for you. Can you learn from them? Proverbs 18 verse 15. Intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. Well, what if it's a bad idea? Well, listen anyway. And then ignore it. And forget it. And move on. Move on to the next good idea. Fifth, wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. And I'll speed it up here. Have you ever thought about this? That if grace is uh, giving a person a blessing that he or she doesn't deserve, then mercy is withholding a just punishment that they probably deserve. But it's withholding that punishment. And mercy is the very character of God. He's the most merciful one in all the universe. And look what he does for us. Look how merciful he is. And what a blessing and a lesson when wise people are merciful. Uh, they're redemptive people. They're redeeming the situation. The world screams, kill the ump. But wisdom shouts, be merciful. Be merciful. Because I've been merciful to you. A high school kid made some really bad choices. And he met with his high school friends the next day and he said, my dad called me in and we had a very tough meeting and, and it was really hard. And they said, what did your dad say? Well, he said, he got historical. They said, you mean he got hysterical? No, he said, he got historical. He told me everything I'd ever done wrong. He got historical. Well, that's not wisdom, nor is it mercy. Because all of us have people in our lives and they're not perfect. And they make mistakes. But we aren't either. And the best way to live life as wisdom is to have a little mercy for the people who are around us. And then sixth, wisdom shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. Wisdom means that you are who you say you are, authentic and genuine, and that's wisdom. Not putting on a show. Wisdom is not trying to cheat, not trying to fake it, not trying to slip around the back door. It's always sincere. Well, what great qualities. It would be good to read that list on a regular basis. It is the definition of wisdom. And, and James says, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and they will harvest and reap a harvest of righteousness. That last word could be translated wholeness. Amazing verse. As a result of wisdom in your relationships, I mean, you will reap a harvest of wholeness. I mean, all your life you're planting. That's what we do all our life. We're planting, planting, planting. And if you're faithful year after year, those seeds will one day germinate. And one day you will reap a harvest of wholeness and, and, and righteousness. And you'll experience a healing and restoration. And you'll experience peace in your relationships. And so just keep planting the seeds. And it, it is your wise living day by day by day. Keep planting. And when you look around, you'll one day see a blessing that God has brought your way. You'll see it in your family. You'll see it among your friends. You'll see it in your church. You'll see it in the workplace. Wherever you are, you will see it. 
Because it's a harvest that comes out of wisdom. It's a harvest that comes out of wisdom. So bless you as you enjoy the harvest of wisdom. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And I'm going to invite you to stand with us for a moment and uh, just uh, prepare our hearts for this closing song. Would you pray with me? Lord, we stand before you this morning. We so value your word uh, that James took the time to really carefully mark out wisdom so that it would be instrumental in helping us live this out day by day. Lord, we're trying to grow. We're trying to listen. We want to hear your voice. So enable us to make good, wise choices to plant and plant and plant seeds of wisdom. Thank you for these, my friends. Grant to them your wisdom as they live out their relationships. We serve an awesome God, Lord. We love you. You are wise. You are generous. You are merciful. And we are so thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.